You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Thank you so much for your warm welcome of me and my family. And it is uh, truly a privilege to be able to open God's word with you together today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as your church has been praying for the past month, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Do your work in our lives and in your church. I pray that your word would come to us today with power from your spirit and that you would grant me the words you wish to say this morning. And finally, as we prepare to hear from you, we echo the plea of Revelation 2-7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. I pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. Now, about five and a half years ago, I married my wonderful wife, Emily. There's a picture from the day. And... About four months, I remember about four months before that day, I I thought to myself, I don't know why, but I thought to myself it would be a good idea to sign up to the local gym. I I recall thinking at the time that I wanted to be able to look back on a point of my life when I hit my peak. (laughs) Uh, And now, having never walked into a gym before... I had no idea what to expect, you know, in this this strange new fitness world. Uh, But after a few weeks, I I eventually got into the rhythm and the routine, and eventually I did actually start to notice the positive difference that, to my overall body, the exercise in these different parts actually made. Uh, Well, if you've been with us the last past month, Um, you'll know that here at Red Door we have been working our way through 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 and thinking deeply about spiritual gifts and how the Spirit works in his church. And in today's passage, what happens is we take a bit of a a sidestep from the gifts themselves to then better understand how God wants them all to function together, how God wants us to actually use them. And what we find in this passage is that God encourages us to be Christian bodybuilders. Christian bodybuilders. He wants each of us to be a bodybuilder. Now, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean that we should all go and, you know, sign up and get ourselves memberships at the Lord's Gym in America? I came across this. It's quite funny. I think the idea is that it's uh, Jesus bench pressing the, the weight of the sin of the world, and that's supposed to motivate you to be uh, able to do the same, something like that. So is that what it means to be a Christian bodybuilder? I'm not sure. Well, as we do work our way through these verses today, my hope and my prayer is that we will see what it means to be a Christian bodybuilder. And having spent some time reflecting on these verses myself I have found them profoundly encouraging and soberingly challenging for my own walk with Christ. 
I truly believe that God has something to say to each of you here today. And my hope is that as we work our way through the passage, you will experience that to be true. If you do have access to a Bible, I really encourage you to have it open. The passage will be up on the screen, but I I just want you to be able to follow along with it yourself. Um, Because let's be honest, most of you have only known me for about 20 minutes. And so I want you to know that the authority of what I say comes from God's word and not just my own opinion about this. So please have the Bible in front of you so you can follow along with what we're doing. Now, while you're flicking to that, or if you've already got it open, wonderful. I thought it might be good for us to lay down some groundwork with where we're going today. Now, if you recall back in verse 7, we read that a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. The language conveyed here, it it has this sense that the Holy Spirit is, is giving of himself who he is to each person. And in this same verse, we see that the, the purpose for this work of the Spirit, the purpose of the Spirit giving of, his, of himself is for the common good. In other words, for edification or building up the church. And so while there are different gifts given to different people, the purpose is for the building up of the church. But then how does that actually work? How should this work in the church? Well, in our verses today, Paul gives us the metaphor of a human body. You know, if we want to understand how all these different gifts are supposed to relate together for the building up of the church... The most powerful image that God can give to us is that of a human body. The church is the body of Christ. And I find that verse 27 summarizes the thrust of the passage. In that one, Paul writes, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And I reckon this is a great summary of where, where we are heading. And you'll notice that it incorporates both the, the individuality of the parts of it, yet also emphasizes that the, the whole is unified as well. And so whether we like it or not, you and I are each part of the one body of Christ. So let's work our way through the passage and we'll learn how that works. Well, the first section from verses 14 to 19, I really feel is a word to those of us who feel inadequate. It's a word for those who are feeling like you don't have something to contribute to this body. And so in these verses, Paul emphasizes that though there is one body of Christ, it is made up of many, many, many parts. So you could say that it's one body, many parts. So please follow along from verse 14 to 16 with me. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, 
it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. So it would seem that amongst all the other problems in Corinth, there was this discouraging lament of ordinary people who just felt inadequate in the church. Like perhaps they were thinking, because I don't, say, speak in tongues, or maybe have these special spiritual experiences like some of the others seem to be having, I don't belong here. I have no place here. And these people, at the very least, would have fallen into believing that because they haven't had those things or they haven't received those particular gifts, those sort of outwardly spectacular ones, they were somehow in a lower class of being Christian. It's like a subpar member of the church. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that in church. I remember my first experience joining the Christian Union Group at the university that I was studying architecture at. And I remember coming along after a few times, getting to know people, and looking around and just experiencing, I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of people. Man, they seem to know their Bible really well. And man, they're really on fire for God. And they're just willing to go out and share the gospel with people. And I just felt none of that. I'm thinking, this place is not for me. I don't belong here. I'm thankful to God that I did stick it out, uh, though, and that's what led me on this path. But, but Paul challenges this kind of thinking. You know, just because, or just as there are many parts that are needed to form a human body, there's heaps of them. Well, you can't make a functional body of Christ with just one elite set of spiritual gifts. So let's have a look at the next few verses from verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? You see, by the diversity of the gifts that the Spirit gives to each of us, God has arranged the body and he's arranged all the parts just as he wants it. And so that means that you are valuable and that you are needed and necessary. You are needed in his church. See, it means that spiritual gifts aren't just things that God gives out willy-nilly like a I don't know, like a shotgun that just flies all the bits where it needs to go. God doesn't just give out spiritual gifts willy-nilly for us to use on ourselves or whatever we decide to do. All Christians are supernaturally gifted and God caused this to happen. I wonder if you believe that. See, God is saying to me and he's saying to you, I deliberately and intentionally gave you the gifts and talents and skills that you have. I purposely gave you your unique set of desires and longings. I gave you those passions, hungers that you feel, and they are uniquely yours. And so God wants us to get out of this mindset of, of going, oh, others are, others are cut out for ministry because maybe they have this set of gifts, but not me. 
You know, others have gifts of ministry, but not me. I don't. If only I had, if only I had that gift, well, then God could use me in his church. And I know it's hard because we all think that way, don't we? I mean, I know I do. But I hope you can see that God wants us to get out of this thinking because I'm not gifted in, in preaching or music or prophecy or gifted with Jonathan's deep voice or Jimmy's beard that I, I'm not cut out for building the church. You are. You are valuable. You are needed in his church. And so as the body of Christ, we need to avoid this thinking that says that I'm not an I, so I won't exercise my gift. Now, the point of mentioning all these parts, by the way, is I don't believe we're supposed to then go, oh, do I reckon I'm an eye or a nose or an appendix? Like, the point, I don't, the point isn't that, but it's all about all the parts together. And if you notice the pairs of the earlier verses, it's almost like they're kind of, how do you say that a foot is more important than a hand? You know, like, you can't really compare them. They, they, do, they do different things, and they're both needed. Similar to, you know, an ear and an eye, like, what's more important? The point is not about, you know, do I think that I'm a nose? <laughs> but either way, God has arranged the body just as he wants. And so then if we decide not to exercise our gifts, thinking, oh, because I'm not an I or whatever, I'm not going to exercise my gift in his church. If we decide not to do that, well, then people will suffer as a result of that. The church is going to suffer because of each member not exercising that gift. I'm reminded of a story that I heard a while ago. Uh, Back in the 60s, former President John F. Kennedy was visiting the NASA headquarters for the first time. And while touring the facility, uh, as he was walking down one of the hallways, he noticed that there was a cleaner who was, you know, brushing something or mopping something up. And so he came along and he introduced himself And he asked him what this particular cleaner did at NASA. And the cleaner replied, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. This cleaner got it. He understood the big picture and his part in it. And if there was no one to clean the floor, well, maybe no one would have got to the moon. My friends, Christ's body is built by recognising that the one body is made of many parts and that every single part is valued and is needed regardless of how insignificant that you might feel. Uh, But in Corinth, while it seems that there were some that were going, I don't belong here because of my spiritual gifts, if we look at the next verses, it also appears that others were going to be, that others were saying Because you don't speak in tongues or because you don't have this particular spiritual experience, well, then we don't need you. You don't belong here. And so Paul then offers a warning to those who are feeling superior in their standing in the church. 
And he moves on to, to emphasize that, yes, there are many parts in this body, and all of them are needed, but remember, they are all still part of the one body. They're all still part of the one body. So let's have a look at verses 20 to 22. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. Now, I really hope that you've never been told by someone else, I don't need you. Uh, And if you am, I'm really sorry that you've had to go through that experience. Uh, Particularly as we've seen in our passage already, we do need you. We do need you. As uh, hopefully we've been learning through this series, there were major problems in Corinth, in this church. And Paul's rebuke way back in chapter 1 highlights his concern that these Christians were using their gifts and their preferences in leadership to cause divisions amongst them. If I can use the language of, of our chapter 12, there were multiple bodies of Christ, it would seem. So let's have a flick back to, uh, and it's going to be up on the screen, chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, what I am saying is this, one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? You see, in Corinth, there was the, there was the body of Paul and the, the body of Apollos and the body of Cephas and the body of Christ. You know, each little clique formed around a certain type of gift or, or personality or the leadership. And Paul rebukes this teaching, is Christ divided? No, no, he's not. We are all the body of Christ. We are all the one body. And that means that we can't use our distribution of gifts to cause divisions in the church. And I feel that sometimes, particularly as churches grow, the the culture of a church can um, sometimes unintentionally shift into an environment where we forget this foundational reality. We are all part of the one body where all members are equally valuable and needed. Sadly, we can forget that. Uh, In my previous job, I used to meet with uni students and uh, read, read the Bible with them and disciple them. It's a wonderful opportunity. And, on a, and by the grace of God, many of them were growing in their knowledge of the gospel, in their love of God, and in their gifts and in their passions. And yet, in the large churches which many of them were part of, they felt that they were unable to exercise their gifts due to the high caliber that was set for what was needed in order to serve in their churches. And I feel it's really tragic when a church unintentionally just communicates, we don't need you. We have enough people with the gifts that we want. We don't need you. 
And so I do want to offer that as a challenge here at, here at Red Door. Are you a church which is actually encouraging the use of uh, all of these gifts and, and not having a, a, a sense of which, you know, oh, you need to make sure you're up to this particular point of spiritual gifts before we'll put you up the front and do something. You know, it's actually okay to make mistakes. And my hope and my prayer is that we are a body that is able to support people even as they step into the unknown. And this whole idea of sort of saying, like, I don't, I don't need you, whether we do it directly or indirectly, Paul wants to rebuke this twisted thinking. And so let's have a look at verses 22 to 26. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honourable, we clothe with greater honour. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the less honourable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. And so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Uh, In these verses, I I reckon the key to focus on is verse 25. Do you see the so that that we start with there? God has put put the body together. He's put his church together with its diverse gifts and diverse people. And by his spirit, he reveals the value of even the parts that we think are insignificant. God places his body together just the way he wants it, so that there will be no division in the body. Yes, there are many parts, but there is one body. And God desires that we will be so united together in this spirit, in his spirit, That every victory and joy experienced by the youngest child would just explode across every member of this body. And similarly, every pain and every suffering that is felt by a struggling member here, God wants that to be shared across the whole body with the whole body suffering alongside them. Such is the level of union that the Spirit produces in us. I once was having a train ride on uh, Puffing Billy up in the Dandenongs. I'm not sure if any of you have uh, done that before. Uh, that's quite, quite fun. But I had an unfortunate experience. I let my head out the window and got a large chunk of soot in my eye. And I ended up having to go to hospital to get it removed uh, and after it was removed, I, I needed to wear an eye patch for about a week or so. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I have two eyes. I mean, they're not brilliant. You can see I've got glasses. But I, losing one eye, I didn't think that that was going to affect my life that much. But it did. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you what, I couldn't walk properly. I couldn't ride my bike. I couldn't play table tennis. I could, I, I, it, just, it was very surprising just the way that a body works, that one part injured actually affects all the others. And through the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ is interdependent and unified. 
take a look back at verses 12 and 13 just before our passage today. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. See, God has this vision of a perfect unity for his church, a perfect unity. See, God desires a supernatural, spirit-led symphony of men and women who are saved. And this is also what sets the church apart from, say, our local Centrelink waiting room. You see, you, you, walk, you walk in. I've, I've had a child recently. Well, not me, but I've, uh, we, we've had a, ch- a child recently. And so, you know, you walk in to do all the bits and pieces. And you look around and you're like, wow, there's an incredible diversity of people here. There are people in suits. There are people who are in tracksuit pants. There are people with dogs. There are people uh, with really young families of people running around. It's incredibly diverse, isn't it? But yet there is no unity between them. Each of them are all there, perhaps for a similar purpose, in order to ask what the government is able to provide for them. But yet, between them, there is no unity. Each person is there for their own purpose. But in the church, we are diverse. And in fact, it's wonderful just seeing just different colours of clothing and different colours of skin. I don't mean that in a racist way. It's really encouraging that we've got just a diversity of people here today. And that is wonderful. And that is testament to the Holy Spirit working in us. But yeah, God desires a church which is diverse and we're gifted differently Yet the power of the Holy Spirit is what brings us together and makes us one body in Christ. And we need God's breakthrough into our lives and into our hearts to bring about this kind of unity that he wants. Well, so far, God has given us a word for those who feel inadequate in his church. There is one body but many parts. No one is expendable. Everyone has value and every spiritual gift can be used to build the body. And God has given a warning to those of us who maybe feel superior with where we're at. There are many parts, but there is one body. And so we can't say that someone doesn't belong here or that we don't need them. Rather, the Spirit works mightily in each part of that body to bring about a perfect unity between the parts. And so just as Paul introduced this theme of the body in verses 12 and 13 by highlighting the Spirit's work in baptizing each of us into the body of Christ, in verse 27 we get a summary of the passage. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. What this means is that if you trust in Jesus, then you are part of his body. If you are in his body, then you are baptised in the Spirit and have been supernaturally gifted for his service. And if that's the case 
then we are all bodybuilders. Our chapter concludes with Paul reminding us that our bodybuilding work will look different for each person here. And it will all depend on what their gifting is. You know, not everyone speaks in tongues. Not everyone is a prophet. Not everyone is gifted at administration, for better or for worse. See, our work here is unique and essential. We are all bodybuilders. And since we are all part of this body, since we are all bodybuilders, it brings us to an inescapable conclusion. The church wouldn't be better if I weren't part of it. The church wouldn't be better if you weren't part of it. And the church certainly wouldn't be better if everyone else was more like me. No. The church is the best it can be when everyone, everyone exercises their gifts together in love, as we will see next week. When all the unique parts of Christ's body are functioning together, building each other up in a spirit-driven attitude of love, that is where we will see the power of God among us. That is the place in chapter 14, verse 25, where a skeptic or an unbeliever can walk into this place and exclaim, God is really among you. One of the reasons why I am a follower of Jesus is because I experienced firsthand the unity and love of a Christian community. The body of Christ was a witness to me of the love, forgiveness and acceptance that Christ himself offered to people like me. And there are many times where the church historically has deeply failed at this. And I'm sure that even here at Red Door has failed too, as does the worldwide church. But when we get this right, when the body of Christ gets this right, it is beautiful. It is breathtaking. I know for me, those moments when we get this right, I can genuinely say it felt like I had a glimpse of what heaven would be like. I began saying this morning that I believe that God has something to say to each of you here this morning. And as we reflect on these wonderful truths of God's word for us today, I want to further draw out some implications and challenges for us. Because if we truly believe what God is saying to us here, that through the Spirit, each of us who trusts in Jesus are part of the one body, well, that challenges things. That changes things.
See, firstly, it challenges our idea of individualism. You see, our, our Western culture around us, it continues to become more and more individualistic. I just think of gone to the days where everyone would sit down in front of a TV and now we, uh, we stream whatever we want, when we want. And, and unfortunately, this, this culture of individualism has crept its way into the church. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, I, I want to affirm that our relationship with Jesus is deeply personal, it is deeply individual. We can truly say that God knows me and that God has adopted me into his family, which is wonderful. But I wonder how many times you've heard someone say, I have my own relationship with God, I don't need the church. Or I wonder how many times you have thought to yourself, well, I can read the Bible for myself, I can pray myself, I can listen to the praise and worship music that I actually like on Spotify. I can download podcasts of sermons of people who say stuff that I like. And so why bother going to church if there's just things that go on that annoy me and things are not done the way that I like? I wonder if you've ever thought like that. But if we're each part of the body of Christ and we're all part and members of that can you see how we simply can't think that way can you see how we just simply cannot do that if you are a Christian you are part of his body which means that church is actually not about what makes you feel good the church is bigger than you And since the Spirit has uniquely gifted you, then for you to avoid the church because it's not meeting your needs is actually to deprive the body of a gift that it actually needs and that you alone can exercise. You are important. You are vital to the function of the church, even when that can be hard or uncomfortable. But if we are members of the one body of Christ, well, that equally challenges our notion of passive involvement. See, I I, I get it. Okay, I get it. Sometimes we like to be lost in the crowd. It's nice, isn't it? You know, we like to sit back and let others do the ministry. It's comfortable. It's safe. And I'm sure that there are some of us here today who are simply here because that's just what we do on a Sunday morning. And, and for whatever reason, you're reluctant to take the step into the unknown and exercise your gift. Or perhaps you don't feel like it's important enough to seriously ask God to make his gift clear to you. And so you, you just sit there like a piece of furniture. But think about what God has been saying to us today. If you and I are living members of Christ's body, can you see how this kind of thinking just can't work? 
uh, Pastor Francis Chan was interviewed once about why he left the megachurch that he planted. And he began uh, reflecting on the incredible growth that he experienced over time in this church. And then he says, and I believe the quote is up on the screen as well, but I got frustrated at a point, just biblically. I go, wait a second, according to the Bible, every single one of these people has a supernatural gift that's meant to be used for the body. And I'm like, 5,000 people show up every week to hear my gift, to see my gift. That's a lot of waste. And so he actually went on to plant a network of smaller churches where every member was actually able to serve the body. And it's quite an exciting story. And so if you're a passive member here at Red Door, if you're truly honest with yourself, you know who you are. Hear what God is saying to you today. God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And those parts of the body that seem insignificant or weak are actually indispensable. The body needs you. And people will suffer without your ministry. God wants to use you to bring about his purposes in ways that you could never imagine. And so I urge you to take those steps towards getting involved. Uh, The process of discerning gifts that God has given to each of us, uh, it can be difficult. Uh, Simply because God, in his guidance... He reveals things to us in different ways. But if you are someone who eagerly desires to know your gifts or to grow in those gifts, I want to encourage you, first and foremost, keep on coming along each of these weeks as we continue to work through this series. But but secondly, I want you to never underestimate the power of having other members of the body helping discern what part you are. And so if you would like to find out more about what your gifting is, your unique, necessary gifting, then find another Christian here that you know and you trust. Find another group that you, of people that you know and trust and just ask them to, to reveal to you where they believe that God is using you or needs to use you. So if you feel that God is calling you, towards growing or finding out those gifts, don't let this opportunity today pass you by. Speak to someone. The body needs you. And before we conclude, I also believe the truth of this passage is equally challenging for anyone who is in a leadership position in the body of Christ. Are you the coordinator of the children's ministry? Are you part of the parish council or church board? Are you the music coordinator, the youth pastor, a Bible study leader, or even the lead pastor? If God is telling the truth, which I believe he is, and everyone here has been supernaturally gifted for building the body up, well, I need to ask, how willing are you to step aside and let others partner with you in your ministry? using the gifts that they have been equally given 
by his spirit. It's challenging, isn't it? Because we like order, we like control, we might feel threatened that others might be better than us. What would that look like? And we don't like the idea that maybe we might be wrong. But imagine, imagine what God could do in this place if we stopped trying to control it and just let the Holy Spirit lead. Just imagine what that could look like. And I believe we truly want this. Let's be willing to trust that the Spirit has gifted us and others in this work in his church for a good purpose. Now I want to finish by acknowledging that maybe there are some of us here and maybe it's your first time visiting uh, here at Red Door or maybe you've been coming along for a while and you're just not really sure whether you are even part of this body. Maybe you're not even sure whether you want to be a part of this body. But I believe that within each of us Deep down, we want our lives to matter. We want our lives to mean something. We want to feel that we are validated, that we are valued, and that we are known. We want to know that we are okay. And if that is you today, I want you to know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. He is strong enough to raise the dead. He is strong enough to hold you and bring you in. God knows you and he loves you. He knows your insecurities. He knows your mistakes and your difficulties. God loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus who came into our world and experienced the same frustrations, betrayal, and shame that you and I know and that you and I face. And he died and rose to put right our broken relationship with our Creator and to deal once and for all with the evil that is far too real in our lives. And the Bible says that anyone who receives Jesus and puts their trust in him, he gives the right to become a loved child of God. God wants you to be a part of what he's doing here today. He wants to give you new life, a new start, and his offer is freely given to everyone and to you in Jesus. And so if that's you today, or if you would like prayer for anything that's on your heart, during these next few songs, we're going to have some prayer available. There'll be people up here, up the front, willing to pray for you. Please don't let this moment pass you by. If you would like someone to pray with you, if you would like to pray with someone about anything at all, please come to the front and do that. And so as we finish this morning, I'm going to pray for us. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we give you thanks for those in this body who you have convicted of their use of their gifts and that they are lovingly using them for the sake of your body. I pray for those who are exercising their gifts in this place, a fresh anointing of your spirit, and give them the power to fan into flame the gift that you have given them. And Lord, I'm aware that many of us here today are feeling insecure about where we stand in your body, and possibly many of us are feeling convicted about how we have been uh, relating to each other. I pray that your spirit would be at work in your body here at Red Door. Thank you that you have given each of us a unique calling, a unique ministry through your supernatural empowering of us in the Spirit. And I pray that we would earnestly desire to grow in our gifts. I pray that we would seek to exercise them in love. And I pray that as we do that, we would experience the power and love of you in this place. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Saviour and our King. Amen.